Everybody here loves a good story. Doesn't matter if you're in your room or watching online. You, you love a good story that kind of pulls you in. And it's why we read books. It's why we go to movies. It's why we watch television shows. It's why we watch Netflix and chill, which I found out the other day. That means something totally different. But, like, I, I mean, whatever. But that's the reason... That's the reason some of us got caught up in the Tiger King. First of all, if it wouldn't have been for COVID, none of us would have watched that ever. And if you did watch it, you don't tell everybody. You just tell a few people. But we got caught up in the story. Now, the thing that makes a story interesting, the thing that really pulls us into the story is the character has to overcome some sort of conflict. Because if the character didn't overcome some sort of conflict, we wouldn't watch the story. Like, who would go to a movie about a person that got up every day went to the same job, came home, everything was great, went to bed, got up the next day and did the same thing. Nobody's going to watch that movie because it's boring because there's no conflict involved. But when conflict is involved, it pulls us into the story because all of us can identify in some way, shape, form, or fashion with that conflict. For example, Toy Story. How many of you saw this movie? How many of you saw this movie? Okay, yeah. Don't you just love this guy? First of all, his voice was done by Tom Hanks, who was Forrest Gump, who you got to love Forrest Gump, or something is broken in your heart. Um, but, but the thing that pulled us into this movie was Woody had conflict in this movie. He, he, was, he used to be the favorite toy, and all of a sudden he's not the favorite toy because Buzz Lightyear came in, and, and, and it's just a, it's a struggle throughout the story, and we got pulled into it, and, and the struggle actually makes the story better. It's the same thing with The Hunger Games. Now, I saw the I read the books before I saw the movie. Um, the, the books were fascinating. It was a three-book series. I read all three books in four days. I, I could not put them down. I'm reading them in the kitchen, like everywhere. But the thing, and then they did the movie and um, picked a supermodel to be Katniss, which I guess if you gotta pick somebody to be Katniss, that's who you want to get. But but this the thing that made this movie so good, it was it was the struggle. It was the conflict. Uh, she had internal conflict going on, like, do I have what it takes to make it through this? She had external conflict where all the everybody was coming against her. And if it would have been for the conflict in this story, it wouldn't have been a great book series and it would have been a great movie. My favorite, though, of all, is, is my boy, Ricky Bobby, right? Now, I saw this movie, and it's got some memorable one-liners. I'm telling you, I'm paralyzed. Like, I love... This, but what made this movie great was the conflict. Like he had all these racing superpowers, right? And all of a sudden he loses them and is delivering pizzas on a bicycle. And by the end of the movie, he gets his superpowers back and, it, and it's great. But the thing that made this a great movie wasn't Ricky Bobby or the, you know, Will Ferrell, whoever. It was the fact that he had some conflict in his story. Now, my walkaway point today is this, that um, I put my cards on the table. I want everyone ultimately to say yes to Jesus. And the reason I want all of us to say yes to Jesus is saying yes to following Jesus is saying yes to a greater story than we would ever write for ourselves. Like if, if God said, hey, here's a blank book and a pen, you write your story and you could write anything you wanted to about your life and you gave it to God, um, he would still look at that story and say, you think way too small. I've got a better story for you in mind. And we see this all through um, life, but more importantly, we see it in the scriptures. There's a guy named Matthew who a lot of people believe he actually saw this event with his own eyes. Matthew records an event in Matthew chapter 4 um, that 
if we're not careful, we'll just skip over it, but it's so loaded. Matthew said this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now, think about this. Peter and Andrew weren't looking for Jesus, but he was looking for them. And he wasn't looking for them so he could shame them or push them down or hold them back. He was looking for them because he had a better plan for their lives. And there may be somebody here today or maybe you're watching online and you're not necessarily looking for Jesus. That's fine. He's looking for you. He's not looking for you because he wants to shame you or push you down. He's looking for you because he wants to write a better story than you're currently writing for yourself. That's what he did for Peter and Andrew. Watch this. They're just out fishing. They weren't reading their Bible. They weren't praying. They weren't singing a worship song. They were fishing. And everybody in this room that knows when you fish, there's not a lot of worship that goes on when you fish, like especially if they're not biting, right? And so he goes on. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Notice the exclamation point. He's like, yeah, like, yeah come on. This is exciting. And they left their nets at once and, and followed him. Now, how weird was this? Because if I'm Peter and Andrew, come follow me and show me how to, I'll show you how to fish for people. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know. Do we take our net? Do we throw it on people? Pull them in? We can get arrested for that, I think. I'm not sure, but let's, let's follow that guy. Jesus showed up not with a command, but with an invitation. We're used to Jesus issuing commands. Stop it. Don't do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus is simply going, hey, guys, I want to invite you into a better story. And he did. Can you imagine if Jesus would have told Peter everything that was going to happen in his life, Peter wouldn't have believed it. Peter. It, because if you would have asked Peter and Andrew their vision for their life, like what's the best thing that could happen, they would have said, we want to have the best fishing business in Capernaum because that's where their house was. That's where they were located. We, and that's why on, in their minds that was a big idea, but God had bigger plans. What if Jesus would have said, hey, Peter, here's the deal. Follow me. And there, over the next three years, you're going to get a front seat to the greatest miracle in the history of the world, the resurrection, my resurrection. I'm going to die and come back to life. And then you're going to, be, um, you're going to preach on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people are going to get saved. And then one day, people are going to name their children after you. Um, cathedrals are going to be named after you. Cities are going to be named after you. Peter, See, Peter had no idea that any of that was going to happen. He just accepted an invitation to follow Jesus, and he stepped out of... Um, normal, and to immeasurably more. But it wasn't without struggle. One of the things I love about the scriptures is scriptures don't censor the struggle that people, that people go through. It, scripture is very clear. In fact, if you've ever read through Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, Peter's probably the person that you find yourself identifying with the most because he's like two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, five steps back. The writers of Scripture, once again, did not censor the struggle that people went through. But in church world today, we're taught to censor our struggles. Don't talk, about, don't talk about your struggles. Don't be open about your struggles. Don't admit your struggles. Because if you do, in fact, we're told two, lot, two main lies. If you're struggling in your walk, number one, you're probably not a Christian because Christians don't struggle, which everything we read in the Bible is, goes against that. 
Peter's crucified upside down. Paul gets his head chopped off. I mean, Jesus himself is crucified. Where in the world did we ever get the idea that we would never struggle? And the second lie is this. If you are struggling, it's probably because you either lack faith or there's some secret sin going on in your life that you're not talking about. has nothing to do with the fact the reason we struggle is because we're human beings and we live in a fallen world. So, So I started thinking about the people in this room um, here today, and the reason I thought about this is because this is true for me. How many times have we wanted to put a period where God just wants to put a comma? How many times have we thought it was over and God goes, you know what? That part of your life right there is so screwed up. Watch me take it and use it for good. He, he does that. And he does it in the scripture and he's doing it in our church. And, and instead of just talking about that, I'll I want to introduce to you today um, two of my really, really good friends who are in this church. In fact, um, Cole is on staff. Cole and Addie, would you come join me on stage? This is Cole and Addie Farlow. If you'd welcome them on stage with me for a second. Cole joined our uh, staff back in February. He's over all of our social media, so all the videos and and cool little, little tiles and stuff you see online, Cole does all that. Addie um, has sang with us on Sunday. She's, um, she's been a part of the worship team. And I invited them on stage today because th- their story, their story is not without conflict. God's still writing it, but it's one of the most beautiful things um, th- that we'll ever get to hear about here at Second Saints. So, so, guys, how are y'all doing? Y'all have a seat. I'm sorry. I didn't tell Super y'all to good, man. Do what? How are you? Better than I deserve. That's what I always, I know Dave Ramsey said it first, but it's, it's true for me, too. And I, can, I love Dave. Um, so, so you guys are, you guys talk to us, give us the cliff notes version of how you became a Christian, Cole. Like how, how did you start? How did you say yes to Jesus? Like what happened? Yes. So for me, I I grew up, we're from Indiana. And so, yeah, thank you. Great state and small town, Indiana, I guess. And so for, for me personally, uh, I grew up going to church, you know, I have one of those stories where it's like I was born on the front pew sort of thing. And Were you the really? Ch- yeah, it, basically. <laughs> How intense. That's so weird. I'm just kidding. Keep going. Water birth and the yeah. baptismal. Dear you know. God. <laughs> We're never going to have anybody get baptized it, again. Uh. Um, but, you know, we, I grew up in one of those those towns where it was like everybody is a Christian and... Uh, you know, I, I put air quotes in there for that. Uh, but for me, like the church we were a part of, you know, it was really small, uh, average age of like 85, you know, turning your hymnals to number 320. Now, listen, I, we laugh a little bit, but that's that's a great thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it really is. So that's not that's not sure. a judgmental statement. But for me, as a kid growing up, I, I didn't connect, and quite frankly, like, I just hated going to church for a long time. I get it. And so I really ran away from God when I was, I was I started to get into high school. Um, up until uh, my, right before my senior year, actually, there had been some of my football coaches that took me and some of my friends under their wing, and we would go to their house on Sunday nights, and, you know, we would watch Sunday night football, and we would eat their pizza and, you know, break stuff, and I... It was hard for them, but right. it, it, it's funny to hear them talk about it now. They say, we're never going to do that again for anybody, but y'all are worth it. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, that's guys. How you, that's how you met Jesus? So that's how I met, through that small group, I, I, I met Jesus, and I had a really powerful 
uh, personal encounter with him, you know, not the whole sit down in church, shut up, listen, wear the right things, say the right things. I, I had a real relational powerful moment at some high school football coach's dinner table one night, and it wow. completely changed my life. Wow. Yeah. Well, Eddie, how about you? How did you, how did you come to know Christ? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor, and so I was a PK kid, pastor okay. kid. Yeah. Um, and I was really fortunate. He he was a part of this brilliant, loving, um, God is like the greatest thing ever church. Um, and everybody believed that and was so sold out. And so I was really fortunate to grow up with that, and I believed that fully right. Um, right. growing up. Um, but I, I really struggled with, like, insecurity with that and wanting to be, like, the perfect Christian and um, put a lot of pressure on myself to be that person that I thought I had to be in like order to pleaser. be a follower of God, a people pleaser. Right. Yeah, and so once I got into college, um, and that faith was made a lot more my own, um, and I just got to see who I was in Jesus' eyes and how, like, worthy and valuable I was without with the mistakes that I made right. and with what I had gone through right. in my life. Um, then that insecurity was falling off, and I was so much more free and, and following him a lot more genuinely, I'd right. say. Yeah. That's awesome. So how, how did y'all meet? I mean, who, who, who was interested in who first? He was interested in me. Oh. <laughs> very, I'll very much so. Yeah, but, like, it was, like, y'all were young. Talk to us about that. Yeah, go ahead. We were. I was 15, and Cole was 16, um, and so we both went to schools that were kind of close to each other, and... My prime. <laughs> <laughs> he was a stud. He had the earrings. He wore the pink swim trunks. Stop. Sorry, okay, okay. Um, whoa, 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 he wore the what? He wore what? He wore pink swim trunks. I'm actually surprised I should not say this. It's still, there's photos on our, on our Facebook still from that yeah. week 10 years ago. Really? Mm -hmm. And I should not have told you that. But you can find me and her and me and my pink swim trunks. Okay. And my earrings. Okay. In Florida. Okay. So cute. So cute. So. Oh. <laughs> That's not the word I was thinking. But yeah, but, but keep going. So we both uh, went to Campus Life, was kind of, which was kind of like our youth group growing up. Um, and they went on big trips with all the surrounding high schools um, during like spring break and summer and things. And so for spring break, we both went to Florida. And what better way to find your soulmate than to go to Florida where you're supposed to hang out with Jesus? Amen. Right? So if somebody here and they're single, they yeah. just need to go to Florida. Just go to go Florida. Go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, with pink swim trunks, by the way. So, how did like did did you walk up to her and say, "My name's Cole, and you're gonna be my wife"? Like, how did that? So yeah, so yeah, I I saw Addie very quickly once we got up because you know you rode the bus down with your school, and then you know we all unloaded and right. and got our rooms and all these stuff, and all this stuff, and so I saw Addie and I said, "I gotta have this girl." Very decisive. Yeah. Within a couple hours, I, I had seen her, and, and, and I said, I will date this girl. Really? I'm a driven person. Yeah. And so, I, seriously, I had some good friends. So we, I, told my, I told my guys, I said, yo, I want to date this girl. And, you know, they said, listen, here's what you do. And so we concocted this plan step by step. But you wrote I it out. I wish so bad I would have kept it because we wrote it out, actually. You wrote, you wrote out a plan like, on how you were going to date. A, okay, how I'm going to go from not having not even met the girl. Yeah. To she's my girlfriend. Okay. In five days, it's okay. 
I had a plan. I love it. And so Addie here, you can take this part. Addie stepped in and yeah, bypassed so, a lot yeah, of my, so one my of plan. Yeah, so one of his friends told me that he had like this really big crush on me. And right. I was so excited about that, just wanting a boyfriend. So <laughs> I um, went on Facebook, found Cole, looked under his like account information, found his phone number, and texted him. And I was like, hey. <laughs> you're <laughs> so, so you're a stalker. I don't know why I did it. Okay. I have no idea. But you, I wasn't sad about it. You, no. I mean, but she totally but she blew made up it your easy. plan. I, she I, blew up your plan. It hurt my pride a little, but then I, I got over it because I'm like, well, that's I skipped step one through four. I got her number. I met her. And we kind of like each other, like all in one. You know what I mean? So y'all started dating when you were 16. She was 15. Yep. And then. We should have brought the picture. We have a f- picture. It's well, we'll figure that Extremely out. Extremely embarrassing. Yeah, we'll put we'll fi- we'll figure that out. And so, so tell this story though, Cole, because you're gonna love this. This is great. So you finally worked up the courage after some time to tell Addie that that you you loved her, and how'd that go? Yeah. So I, I was 16 years old, and everybody at 16, you know what you want at 16. Absolutely. You've got it figured out. 100. percent So I knew Addie and I. We'd been dating for one month, right? One Roughly. month. Roughly. Yeah. yeah. Roughly. And so I'm like, man, I love this woman. Yes. I'm will marry her. I'm gonna tell her. Absolutely. <laughs> so I we were I think we were in my car or something outside the your house. The my Mustang, which is really cool. And I said, Babe, I love you. And she looked me in the eyes and she said, Thank you. <laughs> I, it's it's true, isn't it? It's true. I feel so bad. <laughs> but but Addie, like I don't live into that. Like you kind of baited him into saying it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I uh, so my insecurities. I really wanted to be loved. Right. And so, kind of like the week leading up to that, or so, I just kind of like made it seem like I was going to tell him I loved him. Uh huh. And baited so me. once did. he said she it, totally though, I like did. freaked out, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what the heck? We're like 15, 16. I can't tell you I love you." So I didn't. You just said thank you. So I just said thank you, and we. She just was really thankful. Moved did, on. <laughs> did you want to like literally drive Throw your car myself. off the cliff? Yep. Yep. Off the but top of the building. But she eventually said, it. "How how long did it take her?" One week later. <laughs> one week later. Did I you, figured it out. You did. Yeah. You figured it out in she one just week. She needed a week. At fifteen, dear God. One more week. I missed that train. Did you? How many missed that train? You figured it out when you were fifteen. Okay. The rest of y'all aren't playing. That's fine. Um. <laughs> so so. You you meet and then because y'all are how old right now? Twenty six. Twenty six years old. Twenty six years old. So so you meet and you get married and then Cole you go right into right into ministry right? Yeah. So for me after I had you know I, I became you know I, it's like I grew up Christian because my parents were then I became a Christian because I decided it and that changed my life completely my senior year. And I decided to go to a, a Christian school to study ministry because uh, I wanted to be in ministry full time. And so after that uh, kind of was over and I, I was graduating, I actually, my senior year, we were graduating on that Saturday after our finals. And I was so eager. They wanted to give me a month off at this, this job I had accepted. I said, no, I'm graduating Saturday. Sure. So I didn't even walk my ceremony. My grandma was super mad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, grandma. Um, I didn't walk. I just packed up my car, drove two and a half hours south, moved in, and started my job that that very weekend. 
And so as a youth, as a youth pastor, as a youth pastor, yeah, full time, because I, I had worked in ministry as an intern or, you know, because I was just learning. I was studying sure. uh, for four years. But then that was my first like I'm a full time vocational pastor. They paid me money. I couldn't believe it. It wasn't a lot, but they paid. Well, me. yeah, you're a youth pastor. <laughs> let's just be honest. So, Addie, how do you feel about that? Because, like, your your dad was a youth pastor, and so all of a sudden yeah. you get to marry a youth pastor. Yeah, and so. no, I was really excited. A good-looking one, too. A very good-looking one. Sorry, it's 11.15 <laughs> or 11.30. You don't even know what time it is. It's fine. I was, ta- I was talking to your Stop. wife, and you totally interrupted. Never. Yeah. So I was, re- I, know, I was really excited to be with a pastor because I wanted that. I was, I loved growing up with that. If I were to be able to have kids one day, I would want my kids to experience that and to have that life and mm-hmm. um, to be a part of a super loving, sweet church family. Right. So you guys are in ministry. Yeah. Cole, you're working full time at a church. Uh, your ministry is super successful. Um, but there was a dark side. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so I, like I said, I'd been in ministry for a little while, and I, I was a, you know, I was doing, I was a youth pastor at a, an awesome church in Indiana, and uh, very, you know, over the course of those four years, um, I dealt with kind of a serious bout of mental health issues, so a lot of anxiety, depression, uh, and also uh, about four years pretty badly with some alcoholism. And so I was a pastor in ministry and an addict, and I was anxious and depressed. And that, I mean, that was really, really tough. So the anxiety and depression and the alcoholism, and when you say alcoholism, like you weren't like talking about a glass of wine with a meal or a beer with a burger. You were talking about like you went, like walk us through like how that addiction, like how you discovered that addiction. Yeah, so I, I think the first time the first time it really was, uh, well, I'll back up. My, on my 17th birthday, um, I was in high school. Uh, I actually I drank for the first time ever, and it, it's kind of funny because you know I, my birthday falls on the Thanksgiving week, and so what happened was some of our our college friends that went to college that year, uh, as freshmen, they had come back home for Thanksgiving break, and they threw this party called Tacos and Twerking. <laughs> And Ta- tacos, tacos, and tacos and twerking. I'm not joking, actually. Your next series after Ghost Stories. Yeah, We're so they tacos, call they call me up. Tacos and twerking. How y'all hey. feel about that? Everybody good? Some of y'all don't even know what twerking is. That's fine. You could show us. No, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. I mean, I could, but like, nah, man. Just go. Just go. I'd like to see it. I, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> It w- you would never, ever, ever escape Yeah, your you're memory. right. I don't yeah, know. that would be bad. I don't know about That'd that. That would be bad. Yeah. Anyway, so I get a call. You know, they're like, y'all want to go to tacos and twerking? I'm like, heck yes, yes, yes I do. Absolutely. That sounds incredible. Yes. Um, and so that night, <laughs> you know, I, I actually drank for the first time. And it's really interesting looking back on it now because, you know, I wouldn't have known this back then as a kid. But now I can look back and see it, it gripped me. It grabbed me. Just that, you know, not even just the fact that it, it you know, I thought it felt good, but every everything I was worried about, everything that I was that I had maybe some anxiety about, every 
everything I had a, a fear of just melted away. And that, I think that feeling alone, like, was so addictive that for me. That temporary relief. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so what happened then is, you know, I, I, being in that small uh, Indiana town where, again, everybody's a Christian, everybody knows everybody, it actually it made it hard for us to, to get alcohol all the time. So it was, it was kind of a level of accountability for me. And then going to a, a Christian college where we literally signed a lifestyle covenant yep. that said, you know, I won't drink for four years. And some of y'all are like, stupid school. It was good for me. <laughs> right, right. It really was. Because you could have so, got kicked out of school. I mean, obviously. Yeah, because you, you, yeah, you get kicked out. So I graduate, and what happens is I move two and a half hours south, and you know, I'm on my own for the first time ever. And, you know, I'm feeling a little celebratory because, you know, I just finished school. Uh, Addie and I, we, uh, we weren't married yet. We had about a month till we got married. And so I moved into our place first. And I'll never forget that, that first night. And this is kind of where I realized this might be a problem. Uh, that first night I was there, I went and I bought a six-pack of beer. And I, I wasn't like... It wasn't in my head like, oh, I'm going to get hammered. Right. But for me, one turns into all of them. Right. So you drank them all. Yeah. And so I woke up the next day, and I don't know if I knew that this was going to be a reoccurring theme for a long time, but I woke up the next day with tons of shame, yep. tons of guilt, and yep. it's really interesting looking back to that moment. I can see almost where the enemy got me because – it was on the first day I had this thought, I can't tell anybody. I can't, I cannot tell anybody. Why, why did you feel that way? Because I, I as a, and may, I don't know if this is fully true or not, because I've never, it's been a long time since I've been on the other side of the coin. But as a pastor, at least you feel like I'm expected to be perfect. Right. I cannot slip up. And, you know, it's funny to me because a lot of times when a lot of pastors, they'll give examples of like, you know, I mess up too. It's always about road rage. Like, oh, I honked yeah. some guy yeah. that pulled out in front of me. Like, yeah. oh, wow, you're – I got a lot more issues a lot more issues than road rage, 100%. man. <laughs> so I just felt that. Like, I'm expected from the day I graduate to the day I accept the job. I'm a pastor now. I have to clean it up. So you – whoa. Okay, hold on to that thought because – so you're – you're wrestling with an addiction. You're in ministry. You love Jesus, but you feel like you can't tell anybody. Now, I want to pause real quick because there's people in this room that you're in the middle of a struggle right now, and you don't feel like you can tell anybody. And the reason you don't feel like you can talk about it is because you know that shame and guilt is going to, you, you think it's going to rain down on you, and you, you fear the consequences. And let me just say, I, I get that. I, I understand. And we think, if we, we think it's better to suffer in silence than to speak it out loud. And it's, that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that you have to – because as followers of Jesus, we're called to love one another, encourage one another, support one another, restore one another, not shame one another. And so you're, you're battling with this, and, and you're in minute like you love Jesus – I love I love Jesus a lot, and I loved ministry. And I think for me, what what brought on so much anxiety is 
I love these things so much. I, I feel like I was born to do this. Right. I, I never want to lose it. And I'm afraid. And I was seriously gripped by the fear of the fact that I would lose it if anybody found out. So, and, and pay attention to that. Because what, I mean, essentially, more fear and anxiety came about as a result of him trying to hide something. And the reason I say that is because I know a lot of people that wrestle with fear and anxiety, it's because we're trying to hide something yeah. that if we just get it out in the light, it, it can get healed. Yeah. So and for me, it was that anxiety yeah. that, that caused me to be up late at night and I couldn't sleep. So then I drank more and it was this just deadly cycle that kept me going in just a real bad direction. And it's really painful for how'd us. You, how did you, I mean, Addie, obviously, um, you didn't. I'm. You, you didn't know about all this when you got married. So, yeah. how, what are you thinking this whole time? I yeah, mean, no, I didn't go into marriage hoping or thinking that my husband was an alcoholic. That just wasn't right. what I was expecting. Right. Um. And so, it, yeah, it was really surprising, kind of, because pretty immediately after we got married, there was just that struggle um, with beer. And then after a couple of years, it moved on into um, liquor, actually, which I think really intensified it. Um, And so I just had the mentality of like, okay, he messed up, but tomorrow will be better. He messed up, but tomorrow will be better. Just thinking every single day that that he'll be healed tomorrow. God will do something tomorrow. Right. Even if not tonight, like I know that it will get better. that wasn't the case for for a lot of, for a lot of the days that I thought that, that was going to happen, but that's kind of what I was battling, and and also along with him, just I had to keep that secret too because I was so scared that if I tell people, they'll tell our pastor, Cole, then people will then shame Cole, and um, so just all that fear of just and pain that we were going through and doing it alone. You're trying to protect him. Yeah. Trying to protect Cole, like how did. How did Addie support you during during this? Because, it, I mean, she's fighting the battle herself, but, like, how did you feel supported by Addie during, during the struggle? Yeah. For me, and, and I said this last service, is it's amazing because Addie's so good at loving people, and, you know, your, your love for somebody can only go as far as the amount of crap you're willing to step in with them. That's so good. So, and Addie, you know, for me, she was very willing to, to walk through anything that I, I was going to go through. And so, you know, uh, it's just really, we had, we had multiple, multiple nights where, for me, I was in the middle of mental anguish, having some panic attack. And what's interesting is I never, I never knew what anxiety was. Right. It was always kind of like, I know people talk about that, but I don't really know what that is, and I'll probably never have it, and I got it bad. And so I I was in the middle of panic attacks in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., probably a little tipsy at this point, and she was just, she would lay there and hug me, and she'd, you know, grab her phone, and she'd type in, um, what's the song? I keep forgetting the song. Tremble by Mosaic, and we just sit there and listen to the song. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And we just listen to the song over and over and over. And as I, I would just cry, and she would cry, and she'd hug me until I finally would calm down. And that's amazing. It Those is are amazing. the kind of moments that we we would experience together. And it, it's just 
it's hard to talk about, but it's amazing. It's it's so good though, man. I mean, it's it's so good in. Yeah, it's just so good. So, um, you, back up a little bit. So, I hardly ever check my Instagram DM messages. Like, I just, people are like, I DM'd you four weeks ago, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't check them. I don't, I just, I, I'm not that smart when it comes to social media. And so, I just pulled up um, my DMs one day, and um, I had a, for some, I, I don't know why. I can't explain it. Um, and I had a DM from, from Cole. And so, Cole, walk us through what, like, how that came about. Yeah, so we just, I mean, we just, you, many of you know, when you're fighting a battle, it gets tiring. Because, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, one step forward, two steps back all the time. And it feels like I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. Uh, and it just gets so hard and tiring. So we just were we were starting to get to the point eventually like we want this gone right and something we really struggled with was like realistically i'm willing to i got to the point where i'm willing to tell people but i don't i don't know any and i i assume that there are pastors out there that struggle with addiction too there are but they're not they're uh, who is vocal about that <laughs> besides and i knew of pastor perry and some of the things he had been walking through, because I've been kind of following you for, for a while. And, you know, I just thought, I'm going to shoot him a message on Instagram. And I'd never done this. It was a morning. I was frustrated. I was hungover. And I was just so frustrated. I wanted to be free so bad that I, I just was doing random stuff at this point to try to get there. And I shot you a message. And within probably 30 minutes or so, he responded. Because it was short. I was like, What? <laughs> Because you, you, you didn't yeah. send me a book. And I, I feel like, I, you know, I'd never met you, but I knew, Perry, if I sent him more than two sentences, he ain't going to read it. I'm not. <laughs> and like so when the email I goes know, like, like this, I'm like, oh, wow, huh, thanks. And I just, I, I just, I don't, I'm ADD. So, yeah. I'm, it yeah. was like, hey, my name's Cole. I'm a young pastor. I'm an alcoholic. Can I pick your brain? Like, that's all it was. It's I still have it. But. You responded, man, and you said, I'll call you this week, and, and you did. And Yeah, four, I forgot, so I called you four days later, so I feel horrible about that. But we eventually, I, mean, I got around Thanks, to man. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, but I never checked. So here's what's weird. <laughs> um, I get this random message um, from this guy that I don't even know, and the first thing that people say when somebody reaches out like this is, oh, I can't, if I help him, I'll have to help somebody. I'm gonna help and a, a man much smarter than me named Andy Stanley, I heard him say one time, do for one what you wish you could do for all. You can't do it for everybody, but you can do it for somebody. And so for me, uh, I, was, I can tell you where I was standing. And I, I, the Holy Spirit clearly told me to, to reach out to him. And, and so I did. And we had, we had a good conversation, that first conversation. Yeah. But I, I told you, I said, you, he said, what do I do? And I said, you, you've got to go tell your church leadership or your, your pastor or whatever. And your response was? No. <laughs> So it pretty I, much I just, ended the, the, the I conversation said, right there. I was like, okay, <laughs> but like, no, but you had a reason. I said, I can't, I can't, because I don't, you know, again, as a pastor, there's only, I, you know, I can have road rage, but after that, like, it's unacceptable. Right. 
And so I, I was so fearful, so gripped by fear that everything I'd, I, we'd worked for, all the dreams we'd had, you know, I, w- I was born to do this, and within four years of starting, I've screwed it up. They're going to fire me. I know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't identify at all. I'm glad to be your friend. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, Misery loves company. It does, man. Say. It does. It, so, so, but eventually you did. You so, uh, yeah, kind of like what, what I said is we just were so tired of, of messing up every day. Like, oh, I fell again. Oh, I fell again. Oh, I fell. That I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go tell I'm just going to go tell them and hope for the best. And what happened? Long story short, we, we got let go. And that was, I don't think anything even comes close to how painful that was. Yeah, no, it was just, it was really, um, it was like losing our family. Because we, we, these are some of our s- previous students down here. And just like um, walking away from them was really painful. So, yeah, we gave up every, like we had to leave everything behind. So we immediately sold our house. I had, obviously I didn't have a job anymore. And I had to travel an hour north. And we, you know, I was going to live with her parents, my in-laws, and she quit her job to come with me so that I could do treatment. She quit her job to go with you to do treatment. Yeah. Addie, talk to us about that for a second, because, like, just from an outsider's perspective looking in, like, you probably have people even say to you, like, why are you with him? Like, what, like, what, what made you stay? Why didn't you walk away? What, what made you... What made you stay with him and encourage him and support him? Because, yeah. and I didn't, whew, I didn't say this in the last services, but I mean, it just hit me all day. You're one of the reasons that he's sitting there right now. I mean, God used you to save this man's life. I mean, you, you're one of the reasons, you're one of the main reasons. You're one of the main reasons he's sitting there, and it's, it's so awesome to have somebody to walk with you through the fire. So what, what was yeah. it that compelled you to do that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, thank you. That means so much. Um, but for me, really, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a choice. Like, I knew that this man was my husband and that I had chosen him, and when he suffers, I'm suffering. When he's going through something really terrible and awful and painful that I, I don't even understand, um, then I'm a part of that as well. And so, um, and I knew just like, gosh, Cole is just made for so much greatness. And he doesn't believe that about himself. But I know that when he gets through this and keeps fighting, like, God is going to have the most beautiful picture and beautiful story that I'll ever be able to be a part of. And so I was not willing to give that up either. Yeah, we're going to, we'll do a relationship series and I'll let y'all preach it. Uh, how to mess it up, that would be my series. But like y'all, obviously. So, um, so from there, uh, Nicole, you can tell it from your perspective. Like, you reached out to me and said, I got fired. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think just, that's what your text said. I, I pulled it up this morning. I was reading through it. Really? Yeah. It's awesome. So it's just, we just had built kind of a relationship for a little while then because at the end of our first conversation, uh, Pastor P, he said, he said you know, I want to walk through this with you as much as I, I can from 10 hours away. Um, and so you just, you flew us out here kind of for a weekend away. Um, 
much back needed. In January. Very needed. Was that in January? It was January, February. February yeah. Sometime? It was, yeah. but it was, ran- I just was like, hey, our church wants to bring you in and, and just come to church. There was no agenda. There was no anything. I was like, just come to church and, and hang out. Just be in a place where you don't have any responsibilities or whatever. And, um, and we, we brought him in and, and um, we freaking loved it. <laughs> it's a lot. No, it, it, it really was cool because they sat like right there on the second row. And um, like they, they were so into the service. Like they were leaning forward like this. And I was like, I would hire them just to sit there. They're so fun. Um, but then that, that weekend, it, it took a different turn. Yeah, so, and we didn't expect this. It's fun. I yeah. didn't either. So we were, it was the last day, we came from like a Friday to a Monday, a long weekend, and so it was that Monday, we were getting ready to fly out of GSP, and so we just came and stopped in this parking lot for a second, just, I don't know, it just was special, it was so special to us, and we just were sitting there, and Perry, Pastor P called us, and on the phone, literally, like, offers me a job, and Addie's like, cry, oh my gosh, say yes, say yes. Like, who cares about talking about it or anything? Like, <laughs> just say yes. So it was, and it was crazy, you know, within, you know, we officially accepted a position, and then four days later, we're here. <laughs> oh, it was quick. It was so quick. Man. But, like, when you say that, like, when you move, like, your household immediately, like, there was all these things Miraculous that happened that God stuff. started doing. And, and let me just tell you what it happened. Because, and the reason I'm saying this is because this one we're going to put online, and there might be a pastor out there, and you're like, oh, my God, that's how I get hired at Second Chance. I'm going to Instagram, DM, Perry. I'm not checking them this week. I'm not even going to look at them. I'm, I'm not looking at them. I, wow. Um, but honestly. But keep trying and be short. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, if I'm, if I'm being honest, so I've put my cards on the table. I love Second Chance, and I'm going to be here ho- hopefully until, like, the rapture happens or whatever. But. If I could, if I could do, if there's, if I could also do something else on the side, I, I feel like I, like I would want, th- like, to walk with. I mean, I don't know, like, a help, but like, walk with people in ministry that are struggling because there's so many people, especially in ministry, that that, like, you. People say you're held to a higher standard, and and they try to rip some Bible verses out of context to, and I'm like, oh my God, what, how would you like that pressure? How would you like that pressure? Because you know what? It, it's, it's crushing a lot of people. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. My, my Adderall's wearing off. Um, yes, I take Adderall. I take the, the recommended amount. Only God can judge me. All right, so back to your story. The, the way it happened was I went to lunch with them, and, um, and I, I didn't know them. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like them or not. So I met them at a restaurant because if you, if you meet somebody at a restaurant, you like fake a phone call and leave. Um, but I'm being honest, but like, I loved them and I, I left the, we talked for two hours, which for me to eat for two hours is a miracle. I mean, and I called Philip and I said, Philip, I am so like, listen, we need to hire him. And I don't know why I don't even know what he'll do. We'll just make something up. But like, he needs to like, these, these people are amazing. I said, take him to lunch tomorrow and tell me what you think. And Philip called me after lunch that day. He took you to Creekside, didn't he? Didn't y'all go to Creekside? And Creekside. Barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah, and, and Philip was like, I think you're right. So we offered him a job, and he came on as um, director of, of social media, and it's been, it's been six months-ish now? Yeah. yeah. He moved here, and four weeks later, COVID hit. So it's like, hey, I'm brand new to town. Two. 
Moved to South Carolina, knew nobody. Two weeks in, COVID. Yep. That was cool. It was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, but it, we love it well, a lot. We well, are so thankful. Yes. The, so thankful. Well, the whole, the whole thing is um, the name Second Chance hit me in the truck going down the road one day. And I had a guy tell me. I actually had a guy tell me this. He said, you know, the name of your church, just the name of your church, is going to keep a lot of people from coming to your church. And I never will forget my response. I just smiled. And I said, I said, that's fine. I said, it may stop them from coming initially. But there will be a day when you hit a wall and your life's so screwed up and you don't feel accepted anywhere, our doors will still be open. Because... Because God's led us to build a house where shame has no name. And I'm, Cole is here today. Cole is here today because he had the courage. He had the courage to admit he was struggling. Loved, loves Jesus and was struggling. You can love Jesus and struggle. And when he admitted his struggle, there were not unicorns and rainbows. He had to walk through the valley but now he's on the other side and you were telling me a lesson about scars yeah i mean and to be honest like it's such a we we view struggles as like i either have it or i don't and something we've learned is like it, like you said it's a process of walking out of these things man especially addiction it's it's a it's a hard journey it really is i'm not gonna lie to you but we've we've learned that it's in the middle of this journey where the good stuff really is. And, and you know, we, we always think, oh, you got to struggle, you're bad, you're, you're not enough, you suck, whatever. And, and that's not the case. It's actually the struggle that's beautiful. And we've learned that, like, every time, I, every time I get a scar, I actually get one step closer to God and one step further away from the old man so good. that I left in the baptism tank. You know what I mean? And so I'm learning to, like, I... It doesn't sound, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, Paul says rejoice when you face trials of many kinds. That's why. It's because it's actually, it's the most frustrating thing in the world, but it's actually the greatest, most beautiful thing in the world. Is that when I go through hell, I actually am closer to heaven. Right. You know? So, that's what so, we're learning, man. Let me ask you this question. Do you still struggle? Yes. And so, that, yeah, I do. And... For us, kind of what I'm just saying is, like, we're learning to, to rejoice in the win and not, oh, I messed up. I'm, I don't deserve this anymore. Right. Because if that's your measuring stick, like, what? No, none of us get to do, you know, what we're called to do. Right. And, and can I just say, yeah. when, when he let that go, like, anxiety, gone. Completely gone. Depression, Haven't been anxious for over a year. gone. Like, yeah. there's still that struggle of the after things from the habit. But those things that were gripping him and crushing his soul and tearing him away from the purpose that God had for him, he was healed in those other aspects. That's awesome. In incredible ways. Yeah, so the last eight months have just been kind of getting rid of the habit. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so good. Wow. Well, I, and I told Cole when he came on staff, I said, man, if you ever struggle with anything, tell me. Because our, our job here is not to shame you. Our job here is to come along and support you. Um, and and that's, that's what I think every single one of us need is 
a place or a person that will not shame us, but support us and, and celebrate the wins. Like if you go three weeks and you don't have a drink, instead of going, oh, I only went three weeks. No, you freaking went three weeks. That's freaking awesome. We're going to celebrate that and we're going to keep moving forward. The thing that's so beautiful is Cole and Addie were, if you would have asked them several months ago, they would have put a period and said, we're done in ministry. But where they might have put a period, God put a comma. Because we serve a God of second chances. And there are so many people here that their story is, is your story. And there's so many people here that their story, stories like this, could be your story if there's just a place and a process where you can go, I need help. I'm struggling. I'm not okay. That's the first step toward freedom in a way that you could never imagine. So, Father, right now, I want to thank you that you are in the business of changing lives. You are in the business of changing stories. Father, we thank you for Cole and Addie and for what we get to see. But, God, I thank you just as much for the people in this room that you're getting ready to change our story. You're getting ready, Jesus, to let us see the next chapter. This, this chapter that we're in right now, it's been the, maybe the stormiest chapter of our lives, but this next chapter is going to be immeasurably more than anything we could have ever asked or imagined. So Jesus, may we rest in the assurance today that, that we belong to you. We are yours. And Father, I pray over these next few moments as we reflect on the lives that you've changed and celebrate the stories that you have changed, God, that we will understand that if you can do it for someone else, you can do it for us. Thank you, Jesus, for the assurance that we have in you. In Jesus' name.